Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys, welcome to a very special episode of Core Lords with a guest I'm calling one of the greatest we've ever had on the program. Josie Faulkner is the two-time South African surf champ, and while that's impressive enough, he also hails from the township, or slum as you might more accurately describe it, near Jeffreys Bay. Now, as you're about to hear from Josie, life in the slums of South Africa is as shocking, traumatic, and violent as anywhere on the planet. If you want to go for a, a deeper dive into why that is and, and some of the statistics and anecdotes that explains the situation in South Africa, just scroll down a few episodes to The Greatest Stories Never Told, titled The Long Road to J-Bay. What this kid has had to transcend in his short life just to be here with us is insane, let alone to go on and win two national surfing championships in a country as stacked in talent and as steeped in surfing pedigree as South Africa. There's a short film produced by Billabong about Josie called Everything To Me floating around the internet. Give it a watch and big kudos to Billabong for supporting this kid and helping facilitate his surfing dreams because... As you'll hear, the mission he's on and the potential he has to create a seismic change, not just in his community, but his country as a whole, is undeniable. It's very real. This dude could have a huge impact. Sit back and bask in the resilience, the stoke, and the sheer audacity of one of the greatest surfers I've ever had the privilege of talking to. Ain't That Swell Presents... We've got on the line, live from the J-Bay Township, where he lives, the two-time South African national surfing champion. Started from the bottom, now he's here. I think the Drake lyric goes, man, what a journey. Jose Faulkner, welcome to the program, brother. Thank you guys so much for having me. Man, stoked to be on can you give us a bit of an idea of what a township is for our international listeners and, and, and paint the scene of the one you're from? Um, so a township is normally um, where people put up houses just outside the big town. It's where like, all the poor people live. Um, it's um, where they just live on their own rules and... Um, because they don't have enough money to buy their own houses, so they just put it outside a big town, so they're close to shops and all of that. they just on their own kind of... Um, but there's a lot of them in South Africa. It's mostly where the poor people live. Yeah. I've been to South Africa three times. Uh, I've been lucky enough to go there for work, actually, just covering the event there. For uh, Stab Magazine over the years, I think the first time was 2009, 2010, and then I went back in uh, 2019. One of the craziest things about South Africa, and it's really hard to to wrap your head around it until you've been there, and it's just the, the sheer scale of the, the poverty and, and the suffering, um, and, and also the, the scale of the divide between rich and poor, um, and, you know, and, and generally like the wealthy are the white people and they make up about 10% of the population and uh, the poor are, are always black and, and they make up, you know, around 90% of the population. It's very much a racialized economic divide. And um, man, it was just being from Australia where it's enshrined into our country that there's a certain level of 
dignity afforded to to everyone in the country in the form of housing and and, and universal healthcare and, and basic amenities uh south africa is such a shock to the system man and um you know to be talking to someone yeah. from the townships who's not only from that background but has transcended that to win two national surfing championships in a country that has never been and never will be you know like short on high and high performance surfers mate that is such yeah. an incredible achievement congratulations Thank you so much, man. Yeah, South Africa is, it's so weird. There's like no in-between. It's either you're poor or you're rich. Um, it's, and most of the people in South Africa, they love of a thing called grant, which is money they get from the government. Um, but it's only 350 and I don't know how much is that dollars, but it's, it's nothing. It's, um, so the most most of the people living in South Africa comes from from like the townships and they live off three hundred and fifty and um monthly fee they get and it's just ridiculous. Oh, it's crazy man. It's uh that's yeah. It's at the moment that's basically one meal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like the country's short on money. That that that's the thing, like Traveling through there, I remember the last time I was there, I went to a, a town called Nisner, and Nisner is like, you know, it's like a, a kind of like a harbor town. There's like a harbor, and you, yeah. there's a big township, or not a big township, but there's a township on the way into town on the top of the hill, but then you drive past the township and you go into the town, and it's like... You know, it looks like Lennox Head in Australia or it looks like just any other town in Australia. You have all these beautiful modern homes and I think like 80% of them were unoccupied. They were all investment properties with yeah. no one living in them. Meanwhile, there's people living in essentially, you know, shacks made from scavenged wood and tin with dirt floors and no electricity and no running water just up on the hillside overlooking the town. And you're like, this is surreal. Like, this is so insane. It makes no sense. Yeah, there's like areas in South Africa where you're like mind blown by the houses. And then you just go like, drive for like an hour and then you get these um, township houses. And it's just like, from seeing that to that, it's like, wow. <laughs> um, and... In most of those houses, like, no one lives in them. They just stay um, on the beach. It's like holiday houses for people from inland or from, like, um, Johannesburg and stuff like that. They just buy these houses next to the beach and just leave them all here until December when it's summer. So it's, it's nuts. It's so nuts. And I can't imagine... You know, having seen the, the scale of the, the poverty and the suffering, as I mentioned, I can't imagine what that must feel like to be in that position and to see just across the road all this wealth. And it's so close, but so far away. And yeah. it, it must create so much resentment. Yeah, it does. It's South Africa at the moment, um, a few nights ago, um, was we have this thing called load shedding. And it's like a whole time, it's like twice a day almost, and like 70 houses um, of the township burned down, and like no one's doing anything about it. And 
just across the road is this huge mansions and I'm like what the like none of that people is doing anything to help like the, the guys from the township and like more than 70 houses burned down because of load shedding wow what's it called sorry load load shedding load um, oh load shedding yes so you you're yeah they put the power off for like three hours or maybe more like twice a day so six hours of a day we don't have power wow electricity man uh, can you give us an idea i'm really interested to get into your surfing career shortly because the fact that you've managed to get where you got uh being up against the kind of talent that south africa produces fully blows my mind and, and i'm not really aware of another south african surfer um from the townships who's who's gone on to any serious success i know uh, there was a kid from j bay when i was there who i'm sure you know dylan was his name yeah from the township uh, dylan Hendricks. yeah man kid ripped natural footer yeah, yeah. um and that was actually oh, the f- oh, dylan. oh that's other dylan dylan lightfoot and it's all for them yeah uh, yeah, I'm not sure what his, yeah, I can't remember what his last name was. He was a young guy. He was only like, I want to say, like Ace Buckin was actually kind of mentoring him at the time. Uh, oh, I, yes, that's the link in the show. Yeah, incredible surfer, but, you know, the first yes. kid from a from a township that I'd seen with a sponsorship and, and surfing at basically a professional level or a pro junior level. But uh, yeah, I, I want to get into your surfing career in a bit, but just I, I just feel like it's important to establish to our listeners, most of whom are from Australia, America, and Europe, what it's like uh, growing up, where you did, just, just to kind of give your achievements some context. And can you explain, like, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges and dangers that people living in the townships face? And, and, and maybe you know, you've experienced them directly yourself. Um, there's, there's a lot of challenges. First of all, there's almost every single shop you go to is filled with gangsters. And, um, I've been robbed so many times in front of my house, been gunpointed, been take, let's say everything. They want to take your pens off. That's how bad it is. Like they, they don't want to leave anything. Um, it's it's some some nuts things um yeah so it's filled with gangsters and um all my friends that i used to be with they um i think it's like two of them left that didn't go to jail all of them are in jail at the moment um all of them um part of these gangs at the moment so it's super easy to get um, into those gangs because all like the bosses of the gang they give uh, they their members free drugs and they buy them like shoes maybe or clothes and then the kids always think oh this guy bought me clothes or bought me gave me free drugs i'm gonna be part of this gang he's gonna give me that stuff all the time and then they never get anything after that that's just like throw them into the gang so it's easy to get um stuck into that um also lo- living in the in, in a township is 
it's super hard, man, because most of the time there's, there's no food at home because um, there's a lack of opportunities for work and there's um, just most of the people don't work, so it's always struggle to get food um, and, yeah. Yeah, it's unsurprising there is such a, a gang culture because, I mean, unemployment from memory was is up around the 50% mark, um, especially for that age bracket of like, you know, you're 15 to, to 40s. Um, I remember just from some of the journalism I've done on South Africa in the past and um, mix into that, there's a lot of illegal high-powered firearms there, a lot of machine guns, uh, a lot of yeah. handguns, yeah. you know, it's not hard to get your hands on weapons there. Um, and then you've got also this resentment, this like kind of cynicism or, or nihilism. You know, you could only you could only feel that way. It would be very hard to keep any kind of good faith or love in your heart when you're living a certain way, and then other people very close yeah. by are living a, another way. So it, it's all quite understandable. It makes sense why people turn to gangs. I mean, for you personally, yeah. Um, how are you able to to steer clear of that? And I'm assuming the answer really is surfing. Um, yeah, for me it was all about the, um, just trying to stay away from from bad friends and and just to spend as much time in the water. And also, my father is one of the biggest gangsters in jail. He went to jail when I was five months old. And they only got out like two years ago. So for me, everyone was just putting this thing in my head. Oh, you're going to be the same as your father. You're going to be this. You're not going to be that. And I was like, I'm going to show all these people wrong. I'm never, ever. I never, ever want to be like him. Never, ever want to hear that ever again in my life. So I just spent every single day of my life in the water. Um, trying just to stay away from, from land. And from home, I just stayed at the beach every single day, all day. And I just surfed and just felt the safest was in the water. And um, also my mind was clear. I didn't think of home, didn't think of anything. I was just trying to, um, to like, um, be as happy as I can in the water and as much time as I possibly, possibly can and just stay away from, from all these um, things that happens um, at home and stuff because there was always uh, problems with like money, getting food and uh, problems with these gangsters. You let to see a dead person almost every single day of their life. Um, in the townships because they, they literally like try kill each other for fun I don't know why but it, that's just a thing in in the townships where they just two gangs just see each other from different areas and all of a sudden they chasing each other with guns or with knives and start stabbing each other and I didn't want to see that every day so I just spent most of my days at the beach Wow, man, that is so insane. I think, I think like you know, 
we're used to this kind of narrative, this kind of story, this life story of yours coming out of, you know, it might come out of uh, America, like, you know, and you might hear about it in, in basketball or, you know, similar situations. But yeah. even then, man, like, until you've been to South Africa, like, the ghetto, it makes the ghettos in America look like, fucking beverly hills or something like it's 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 yeah. it's a magnitude worse than than anything that's happening in in any other western country i've been to um or you know what would you call it first world country like um it's yeah. so intense and and you've actually lost like family members uh you know to the violence like your older brother w w was murdered right yeah um my I lost my younger brother. Younger um, brother. He was two years younger than me. Um, he got shot at college, and then I also lost my cousin, um, Rivaldo Abasali. Um, we started surfing together, and um, he he got murdered by ten gang members, like super, like brutally. We couldn't even recognize him. Yeah. Man, I'm so I'm. Just so sorry for you, brother, that you've had to had to experience yeah. that. Do you f feel like like um, you know these these traumatic incidents? Do they leave a lasting imprint on you? Do they do they affect you to this day? I imagine they do. Um. Yeah, they do. I actually had a little moment last night where I cried. Actually, because I'm. Um, I'm been missing my brother, but um, they do. They just actually they make me stronger. And um, if if none of this happened, I think I would have been a different person, and maybe even part of it gangs because all of these little things happen. They're not little because of all these things happen. It just kind of keeps me going and telling myself like you don't want to be like that just you you can make a difference because um i want to actually make a big difference and, and uh change that community and i'm gonna try my best before, before i stop surfing i just want to at least get 20 kids away from those streets and um get them onto a surfboard because some of them don't even know what the surfboard is because they're so stuck in that little bubble of, of being in the township and seeing these gangsters and they the thing in South Africa is um, they so in this bubble and all they see is gangsters all day so they they kind of think it's cool and they want to be part of the gangs because there's 14 year olds 13 year olds at the moment stabbing people like it's all of them are young young kids they age from maybe 12 till 21 that's that's age group of the guys being in the gangs now and they they, they got all these the older gangsters like they yeah older guys they like cut them out and they just start their own gangs and they start chasing the old ones and the old ones obviously they they're so done because of all the drugs and all of, all, all of the stuff they've already done through the years so they just stop and at the moment it's just everyone is just young in these gangs and they don't care 
yeah so for me it's um i just want to get all those kids away from from the streets and, and all of that so all these things that's been happening to me is just just keeps me going and um, keeps me telling myself that um i i need to make a difference it's it i feel like it's it's my job to, to do that yeah man what a what a hero's journey you're on i mean the more that your story makes it out into the public um you know i can only imagine that there will be figures within the surfing community high profile figures uh the surfing industry hopefully uh will support that that path that you're on and and keep you safe and keep keep you um give you everything you need to to perform that role because i can't think of a more important role than that in surfing you know i work as a journalist that i speak to fucking high profile surfers uh every other day and literally none have experienced what you have that i've come across um can't think of one that even comes close so um and i know that you know i saw kelly slater down there with the surfers not street children the other day and uh you know tom's you know an acquaintance i guess and you know there is a lot of support there or a lot of goodwill and uh i hope people rally behind you man but can you talk to us a bit about um you know you mentioned like just the motivation that you've got uh to make uh, an imprint as a surfer like who was it that that has helped you along the way i guess uh who's kind of mentored you or who identified your talent and nurtured it um so at the beginning there was this guy um based straight on me owns rebel surfboards in jayway um so he um, kind of took us under his wing and took us to like local events and paid for food, accommodation and like um, let us stay at his house for for a little bit when things got bad in the township um, so he took us under his wing and then um, Etienne Fenter uh, he was the one who always like he was like a father to me. He owns Jeffers Bay Surf School, and he gave me a job at Jeffers Bay Surf School and um, let me do lessons for him and like coach me at every single event. Um, he um, and he paid for for some of the bigger events, like took us to Cape Town for some pro juniors and took me everywhere. So he took me under his wing and. Um, like or most of my surfing career and he's been amazing he's, um, um, yeah he was like a father to us he there was like five or six of us he took at least swing at the end and just took us everywhere and paid for everything so yeah oh that's rad man and you know who are the big influences on you as a junior uh, in, in terms of surfing technique performance stuff like that both local and uh, internationally, I guess. Um, for me, it was um, Italo Pereira. Um, just to see, I, I mean, my first time I saw him was at the event in Portugal. And, 
um, I had a little sneak on his Instagram and seeing where he came from, stuff and on that phone thingy and all of that. So I was like, if this guy can can make it and be that good, that was the turning point for me. I was like, good, I I can also do it then. Um, and he, he kind of came from the same same background as me, so he he kind of had a big influence on me. I was always like, oh, I want to be like this guy, I want to be like this guy. Um, even before he qualified for for the championship tour, um, um, I always used to look at his Instagram and there was always people telling me, oh, you must watch this guy. And, and I started watching him and I was like, wow, like, this is who I want to be. And ever since I just kept on um, looking at his stuff and trying to be like him. And yeah, and another guy, um, Jordy Smith, um, ever since I was a little kid, we always used to go watch the JB Open. And it then would take us down there even before we started surfing. Like, because um, my cousin, my cousins used to surf, um, and one of them actually did really well in the event one year. Um, and when we saw Jordy like going the water and seeing all that people just going post on the beach, like everyone was just going mad. I was like, wow, I want to be. Like that one day, I want my township to go on. Um, and last year when I made the job open was, was the best thing ever. Um, just to see all the kids from the township come down to the beach and just come watch me surf. And yeah, that was everything for me. Wow, man. What a moment that must have been. And who did you have first up? Was it Italo? Um, no. Um, I was, I was like, let's see, praying to get Italo because he's my favorite surfer and I really wanted to surf against him. Um, but I just, just missed him um, because Luke Thompson got a, a wild card into event, so he got Italo and I got Felipe, so I moved down a spot. Ah. I got it, um, Felipe. I had Felipe twice in the event. Yeah, right. Uh, man, interesting too, uh, yeah, Italo, mate, you guys do have a fair bit in common. Uh, he also has been robbed at gunpoint. I've, I've interviewed him several times, and yeah, you're yeah. correct. He, he did come from um, a, a pretty... Poor background and obviously in a part of the world that is subject to some of the same social dysfunction that South Africa has. Jadson Andre, also another guy um, who's you know lost family members to gang culture in Brazil. Um, wow. Yeah, and, and I guess Italo, man, he must have been such a big influence. He, he's one of the, you know, you're a goofy footer, you're, you're, you're backside at J-Bay and it's really hard to think of anyone who's surfed it better backside other than... Italo and Medina, obviously, they had that crazy final. Uh, I think that was in 2019, the last time I was there, and that was far out. I don't know if anyone's surfed the place better backside than um, the clinic that went down in that final. Uh, can you talk to us? Yeah, that was still Yeah, were you there for that one? You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I was on the beach in my wetsuit <laughs> watching it. It was, it was 
the best final I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It was, I remember just that, uh, I think the, one of Medina's nines, it was like the biggest wave that had come through the entire event, had this big wedge running through it and he just fucking teed off on it every step of the way. It was wild. Yeah, that was nuts. (laughs) And, uh, man, can you talk to us a bit about like what you're able to, you know, what they do so well at J-Bay or... You know, it's such a, a challenging wave at the best of times, let alone backside out there. You know, what is the key to surfing that place well, do you think? Um, I think the key is just to get as much time on it as you can. Um, it's it's such a weird wave, especially for the back end. Um, like, the barrel is always small and, like, pinchy and, it's you have to be like on a high like your line has to be high or on some ways it has to be um, low so it's like i don't know it's a it's a really really weird way um i've 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 only started surfing me like um three four years ago like i used to go down there but there would be one session maybe in three, four months or because um, locals used to be so bad and every time we go down there, it's, um, my my friends always get shouted at or something always just happens when we're down there. And I, don't, I don't like surfing where people are shouting at my friends and they're not shouting at me, but I'm doing the same as what they're doing. Um, and it's it's always just a fight when we're down there with, with the locals. They always just try to kick us out the water or something. There's always something going on down there. So um, only four years ago, I started surfing it a lot, like on every single swell and stuff. Um, but I still, still find the wave weird. It's... But it, when it's pumping, it's an unbelievable wave. It's, it, it, for me, it's one of the best waves I've ever surfed in my life. Um, I've had one or two of the best waves that I'll never forget out there. Um, but yeah, I think as, you just have to spend as much time as you can on the wave and, and we'll try, um, start like getting into those sections where it's a little bit fast and or it's a little bit slow because sometimes the wave is like super fast and some days it's just this slow perfect running waves or there's some section that's fast and some that's slow so um but you just have to spend time out there and you'll get to know um which waves to go to and when to do what on the wave so yeah it's such a good point you really do have to clock up the hours out there just to to understand yeah. the tempo and, and be able to to read the wave and, and know what it's going to do i mean i must have watched a hundred heats out there or something over the years uh in in the world tour events there you know the, the highest level of surfing and for sure there is just really two guys who stand out in my mind over all those heats. Yeah. Everyone else looks more or less three guys, let's say actually. 
And they are Joel Parkinson, uh, Sean Holmes, and Geordie Smith. And you know, all those three guys have spent so much time either at J-Bay or yeah. on point breaks. But um, you know, in Parko's case, not from the area, but far out, he won his first event there as an 18-year-old wild card. And uh, I think he's won a couple more after that. But the, the yeah. difference between those yeah. point break specialists and, and the rest of the field is, is night and day. But then... The Brazilians have kind of uh, rewritten the script a bit there. Yeah, um, Medina is pretty nuts out there. Um, Italo too. Uh, I feel like Italo is a bit small, so when, when it's when it's big, um, he he looks a bit like flicky. But um, I think um, Medina has been ridiculous out there in the past few years um, and he's so strong and um, especially at, at j when it's big like that it's always there's so much bump on the wave because of the wind and stuff so um, when when you're small you like kind of you can see the bounce on the board but with Medina he's just so smooth and just I don't know. He's just amazing. <laughs> totally, man. And um, just quickly before I get into your winning the national surf champs, I was just interested to know, like, the aggression towards your friends from the locals there at J Bay. I mean, uh, is that because like your your friends? I'm assuming are from the township as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, we most of our time we don't go down there. We just have kitchen windows. It's, it's a wave just in front of um, the village where the Palabon shops are. Yeah. And all the, I know it. the shops are. Um, yeah. There's a wave called kitchens just there. And most, most of our time, we just surf out there and it will be just us in the water. Um, so whenever we go down to supers or something, um, locals are always like i don't know what it is but they just always try look for something yeah like i would battle for a wave and the local would battle for a wave and next thing he doesn't make the section and it's a huge thing there's they always just look for something mm. to like fight with us and, and but at the moment no one's doing it to me i get my waves i I'm I'm happy, but um, it's a different case for for my friends. Um, when they go down there, they get dropped in on. Whenever the local would go for a wave and bail straight back, and my friend would be next in line for a wave, and that local would just drop in on him and or shout to them, "Hey, I'm going, I'm going!" And I'm like, "Dude, like, are you kidding me? He's been waiting for." 30 minutes already four ways and then you just had a bomb and you bail straight back and then you go for the next one like he's he's born in Java. most of the locals from Java are not from the they from inland or somewhere else and they just moved here 20 years ago so it's yeah totally man I, it's always a fight when we're down there I mean, I know it's taboo to mention this in South Africa for some reason. I think it's like a, a rule that's probably been passed down by the ruling elite because they just don't want to acknowledge this. But I guarantee you, like, the locals are white at J-Bay 
uh, and the kids yeah, from the townships, yeah. uh, native, uh, you know, indigenous Africans to the area. And yeah. I guess that there's probably a fear there on behalf of certain sectors of the white community that, that surfing would take off in the townships and, and become like soccer or something. And then suddenly, the, you know, yeah. the lineups are yeah. way more busy because that, yeah. Yeah, that is one of the craziest things about South Africa is it, it's a it's a pretty high population country, but fuck, it's uncrowded, the waves. And, and that is because so few yeah. people have the resources, you know, to, to even feed themselves, let alone buy a surfboard and uh, get into surfing. But that is changing in, in parts of the country, Durban and I guess around j Yeah. Yeah, it's changing a lot in j We We, um, my friends actually just started a, um, non-profit organization and um, they there's two boys they started they from the township and um, they get so many kids to come serve it's it's actually amazing to see um, what they've done at the moment they they got like I don't know 60 70 kids surfing and then there's a few other organizations too so the water is getting full at the moment, which is really good. Um, I love to see that. Um, was when I started surfing, it, it was like that. There was maybe three or four organizations, and every organization had maybe thirty to forty kids in them. And the water was always packed at kitchens. But through the years, all these boys just turned into gangsters and there's like five left of us, five, six left of us. And um, but at the moment it's growing again, so I'm, I'm really happy. Wow, that's great news, man. And uh, man, I can't let you go without talking to you about winning the national championships twice. Like, mate, what a feat that is in a country as with as deep a pool of surfing talent as South Africa. Can you, can you talk us through uh your memories of taking it out for the first time yeah that was one of the best events i've i've served in my life i remember the one was i was 18 years old and i was surfing under 21 um and all the big names just like there was david van sale and like a lot of big names from south africa was in the event and um, I just, I don't know how I did it, but I just had the best hits of my life, every single one of them, um, until the final, um, and we, um, oh, I think it was me, Dave Sale, Ben and Benjamin, and someone else in the final, and they've been doing, um, SHMs for years and years, but that day it just everything clicked like everything felt amazing. And I managed to take it out to the end, and yeah, was stoked. And then, um, the last one was um, in 2019 when I won in East London. Um, I think some of the, the guys went to a QS, so the um. There wasn't a lot of um, big names in the in the event, but um, there 
or some of the older guys like Darrell Johnson, like legends of the sport um, in that one. So um, that one was a bit of a easier one for me. I wouldn't say it was easy. That's it's never easy, but um, um, I had to go up against older guys that um, like. Um, Greg Emsley, um, I took him out in the semis, I think, and then I trailed in the finals. Um, and the waves was really small, and for those guys to battle into small waves was a bit hard. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I was I was over the moon when I won that one for the second South African title, um, and all all my junior career. I've never won one, but I've, I was in every single final for like six years in a row. Every time I just get second, third, I would lose in the last 30 seconds, last minute, like stuff like that happened to me for like six years in a row. So um, for me to finally take a title um, in, in the open division and in the under 21 division was just amazing and mind-blowing I couldn't believe it someone that um, came from like a township just took out the the, um, uh, the national title and all of that so um, when when that happened it was just unbelievable and when I went home with the trophy it was like 20 to 60 people from the township at my house just like cheering and it was ridiculous it was nuts oh so, yeah. man that is amazing what a performance what a feat it's, it's just incredible man i imagine it's never been done before a surfer from a township winning the national surf champs um my cousin actually won um one of them but that was in Juniors, it's never no one else has, has done it in like seniors or um, summer, yeah, like in open, open men or one to one day. Just I think it won it once in in under 14 or under 13, yeah, but like years, years, years back. Incredible, man. And, and what does the future look like for you? Uh, chasing the WQS and, and stuff like that? Um, yeah, this was my first year ever doing the challenges. Um, it's been an unbelievable year. Um, it's been, um, I had some really good hits, really close ones. Um, but it was, this year was just all a learning curve for me. I just wanted to go out then and see how these guys prepare and how they um, get ready for heat. So this whole year was just a learning curve and trying to see what I can do. And um, yeah, so my my goal is to, it's everyone everyone's goal. Everyone wants to be on the CT, but um, for me, it's, it's just all about having fun. And, um, um, I'm gonna give it maybe one or two more tries. If it doesn't work out, I'm gonna try going to maybe 
the free surfing world and see how that goes because um, my country with Balabong at the moment is free surfing which is amazing um, and um, so yeah so for me I'm just gonna try give it one or two more tries and see how it goes um, I think my first year was amazing um, I managed to get um, second in South Africa because Luke Thompson got that one big result and um, we all had a tough year but um, for me to get second out of everyone in South Africa in the Challenger Series is, it's it's a big thing for me um, so yeah I want to give it one one or two more tries and see how that goes and if that doesn't work out uh, I'm going to try to see how the free surfing thing goes and yeah oh bro i have no doubt that you will get there um it, it may take longer than that as it often does for many people who, who go that route on on the challenger series but you know with the with what you've already come through uh i'm sure that the the grit and determination and the motivation i mean these these things are really the making of, of greatness more than any other factor i think um and italo is a classic example of that so um uh, mate all the best on your journey i expect you to see you on the ct uh within the next five oh, years thank you so much man. and um mate uh, thank you so much for for taking the time out to to chat with me and, and best of luck brother Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much.